This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to Sportsnet Today on this Thursday, December 5th, December 5th, January 5th. Let's try that again. Wrong mics, wrong dates. If you're expecting a good show today. I haven't done this before. I haven't, it's been a while since I've been back in the afternoons. I hate to let you down. Let's do this whole thing once over again. Welcome again. to Sportsnet Today. It is Logan Gordon along with you. It is a Thursday, January 5th, 2023. We're back. A mix of Christmas holidays, filling on the mornings. A few other people have hosted uh, editions of Sportsnet today over the last couple of weeks, but we are back and happy to be here on this Thursday. Got Cam and Taylor in the other room, our outstanding producer duo for the afternoon on a non-Calgary Flames game day but a chance for Team Canada to be golden at the World Junior Hockey Championships once again. Your gold medal game coming up later today after a thrilling victory against Team USA a little bit later on. The Flames were at practice today, however, getting set for the New York Islanders on Friday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We'll bring you all the reaction and the latest from morning skate today at the Saddledome and get you set for that game against the Islanders tomorrow. We'll also have a check-in with our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara, for a little uh, regular season closing conversation with Andy as we head into week 18 of the NFL season on Saturday. But let's kick things off like we always do, heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcoming in our pal, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. It is Peter Labardius. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I uh, couldn't be better, Mr. Gordon. I could not be better. Good uh, good to hear, my man. And I'm assuming you are in the arena getting set for the bronze medal game this afternoon? I certainly am. I certainly am. The United States and Sweden. And it'll be just kind of fun to sit back and get another look at Flames pick. William Stromgren, who for me has been okay during this event, including yesterday during their absolutely heartbreaking setback to Czechia in the semifinal. So I'll be watching him a little closer probably than I was yesterday in light of the fact that uh, this game's more of an evaluation game for me rather than uh, being concerned <laughs> about win, winning and losing. That'll come later this afternoon, right? Yeah, that'll be, yeah, I'll be dialed in. But you know what? After last night, I won't tell you that I'll be okay if Canada's on the wrong end, but uh, let's just put it this way. We, we did beat the group I enjoy beating the most. 
Yes, fair enough. Um, and uh, look, before we get to Canada and USA from last night, Lou, it's it's actually I know these games can be tough for two teams that had higher expectations, but hey, a bronze medal game between you know this Sweden team and this American team has the potential to be a pretty great matchup. Yeah, it will be, and the Swedes will be very tested by, as you saw with your own two eyes last night, Logan, uh, very gifted, dynamic, skilled, from top to bottom U.S. team. I, I truly believe that they are the most dynamic and skilled team, even though they're the youngest team in the 2023 edition of this tournament, and they made Canada's life absolutely miserable, and they've made pretty much every opponent's life miserable. The only thing is they found out last night, you know how many times I say it, your ability to check when it matters the most matters. And they did an okay job of that. They're probably the better team last night, the Americans, but they ran into one of the greatest goaltending performances that I've seen and maybe the best one I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Yeah, Thomas Millich, the uh, the star last night, the only player on Canada's roster that has been passed over at the NHL draft, and he makes 43 saves as they battle back from an early 2-0 deficit to take down the U.S. 6-2. And what a start it was for the U.S., Lou. They came out relishing the fact that they were in hostile territory. They really put the gears to Canada, a hard-checking game that led to a, a couple of goals, but that late one in the first period that gets it to 2-1, thanks to Connor Bedard, I think wound up being a, a pretty important factor for Canada heading into the second period. Well, it was for sure, and let's lay it on the line, Logan. Their first 12 minutes was... Not good at all. No. And they, and they were overwhelmed, and they were nervous, and everything they touched, puck-wise, ended up in the wrong place. People were out of position. And had it not been for the heroics of Millage, even in period one, as you know, that game could have easily been three and four and well out of hand. So they did get back to their game in a better way. But as I've stated all tournament long, you know, this is a very dangerous team when it has the puck, not as deep as the United States from top to bottom. And there's still players on this Canadian team with more to give and more to show. And they've got one more opportunity left to do it. If it's not for Thomas Millich of the Seattle Thunderbirds, a good Alberta guy, we're not having this conversation. We're talking about Canada playing Sweden for the bronze medal. Talk to me a bit more about last night. What did you see in the Canadian game that changed after that first 12 minutes, Lou, that led to them really finding their stride the rest of the game and maybe getting able to you know, keep up with the pace that the Americans had set and leading to that eventual 6-2 final? Well, I thought they were much better in terms of their ability Logan to get pucks behind the United States defense. And one thing about this group is, you know, led by Zellweger on the back, they can make things happen on the rush and in transition. They can be very good at it, especially their top two groups. But I really thought in many ways last night, 
the line that featured Zach Ostapchuk was immensely important to Canada. They checked well. They were excellent on the forecheck. They set the table, um, scored a really, really big goal in the game. You know, Zach Dean makes a great pass cross ice to make it 3-2. So they did a much better job of getting pucks in behind the U.S. defense and making that young but skilled group check and play all 200 feet. The middle of the ice for the United States, all first period long, and even at times throughout the game, they got through there like butter. It was easy and too easy. So Canada did a much better job in that area. And what were they? Well, they had a few breaks last night, let's be honest. And on top of that, they have some people that can finish. And one guy we probably haven't talked enough about is fifth-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, Joshua Waugh. And not just because of his four points, but he's an incredibly intelligent player. I think he's had another marvelous tournament. Um, He's an excellent penalty killer. Always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, I have been blown away by number nine. He was excellent in the summertime. And he certainly brought his best in a game last night where his team and his country needed him the most. And I wouldn't expect a whole lot different from him tonight. Let's uh, Before we move on to the matchup against uh, Chechia tonight, Lou, uh, let's talk a bit about those two moments that you talked about there. Two uh, challenges by Team Canada for goaltender interference. Both of them go their way. Uh, just give me your, your thoughts on both. I know you're in the arena. You don't always have the, the best camera angles and views uh, from that, but going back and looking at it, as I'm sure you have, uh, what did you make of those two uh, calls last night? Well, I think the first thing you have to understand is that when it comes to those types of rules... They're different. They're different yeah. than what we see in the National Hockey League. So in, in international play, anything that happens by and large inside that blue paint area, the crease, that involves contact with the goalie, you know, there's not a lot of leeway there. Now, from my standpoint, because... You know, I thought Millich basically on the second one, upon further review, I thought, you know, his pad and then the puck was poked over the line for the goal. I I must say that the Jackson Blake goal, technically by the ruling, and that's what you have to go by, in the NHL that counts and should have counted. In the double IHF, questionable. But... Let's uh, never forget this part. And I'd be saying the same thing if it was on the other end of the spectrum. I'd be in a way worse mood, but I'd be saying the same thing. And that is this. Um, you, you cannot win. Hi, Clipper. Happy New Year. Um, sorry, just lots of hockey type. No, no problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my train of thought you know, was, was this. You have to have good fortune to win. You have to. It's part of it. Because at this tournament, and last night's another example, and the game between the Swedes and Czechia was an example, to win this event, 
to win Stanley Cups, to win anything, do not ever forget about a little good fortune along the way. You need it. You have to have it. And uh, now tonight, of course, uh, going for gold. It's a unique opportunity for the Canadians for uh, a little bit of revenge against the team that beat them back in the round robin portion of this tournament, Lou. And let's be honest, it was uh, a pretty dominant performance by Czechia in that opening game for Canada and uh, a chance for them to you know, repeat as gold medal champions and get a little bit of revenge against the team that finished atop of Group A. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, yes, they will have that in mind. Yes, they didn't like at all how they played in Game 1 on Boxing Day, and they shouldn't. And I have felt this way all tournament long. I had a very strong suspicion that Czechia was going to play for a medal here and potentially win one. Well, now they've won one, something they haven't done since the year 2005 in Grand Forks when they won on a Peter Vrana goal in overtime to win that game 4-3. to three. So I also think that one of the reasons the Canadians had trouble, Logan, is it's the perfect type of team to play against Canada. They're big, they're strong, they're heavy, they are nowhere near as dynamic as the United States, so a very different challenge. They're a veteran elite group on the back end led by David Yerichek, who looks like he could move into just about every top six right now in the National Hockey League and do well. Sahanik, the goalie, again, as he was in the summer, the member of the Tri-City Americans, has been stellar, might be as good a goaltender as there is here. So Canada is going to have to do what they weren't able to do in game one, and that is get to the middle of the ice, get to dirty areas. They're going to have to be patient, not turn pucks over, because I do. And I felt this way coming into the tournament. Not, I thought that the United States provided the stiffest test in terms of trying to check another team. This group has probably got the best team to match up and make it miserable on Team Canada. We're chatting with Peter Labardius, who is in Halifax, getting set for the bronze medal game between Sweden and the United States coming up shortly. And then, uh, of course, he'll be around for Canada and the and Czechia tonight uh, as the Canadians go for their second gold medal in about five months, uh, thanks to some quirky COVID schedule. But they would love to uh, be back-to-back and celebrate in front of those crazy fans uh, in Halifax. Lou, while well, I've got you here, of course, an off day uh, away from game action again for the Calgary Flames. They'll be back in action tomorrow against the New York Islanders. No changes when it comes to lines or pairings at practice today, and I, I wish we had the audio. We haven't heard it yet from uh, Daryl Sutter yet back, but uh, I had an interesting, I'll paraphrase what he said and sort of get you to go off of it, but he called Dylan Dubé today uh, the most improved player for the Calgary Flames this season, and I would have a hard time imagining that you would disagree with him on that. Zero. Absolutely zero. Um, and certainly where his game has come to, grown to, and no doubt in my mind either that Dylan has played the best NHL hockey he's played in the last month. He's way more reliable defensively. He's played with great pace. He's made plays. Um, You know, the first time I really felt like Dylan had an excellent chance to be a good NHLer, 
team in both 2017 and 2018 at the World Junior Championships. And he showed his versatility, played different roles on both those respective teams. Uh, one he captained to a gold medal. But I think his overall game, Logan, has never been better. In fact, never even been close to better than it is right now. And it's a reason that he's having a pretty large impact in most games that he plays. And I don't know if Daryl mentioned this today. Had I been on hand, it, it, I would have asked him. And if I get a chance tomorrow, I will actually ask him this. I think one of the things that has really helped Dylan, his improvement and his growth, was a feel for the game on the other side of the puck since he's been killing penalties, which is a process that started last year. And I think it just it makes you dig in harder. It gives you another perspective. You see the ice different. You have to be, because they're the hardest minutes that you play in the sport, have to be so diligent precise with stick position, body position, when to go, when not to go. So I really believe that when he started killing penalties last year, it really helped that side. And he's just carried on and playing some excellent, excellent offense. One guy that uh, Dylan knows well and has been under the spotlight for a little bit has been Andrew Mangiapane. Uh, big year last year for him. It comes with a big contract extension and, you know, maybe some more expectation along with that when your, you know, AAV now starts with a five and is in the million-dollar range there, Lou. What have you made of Andrew Mangiapane this year and I guess the last couple of weeks back on that line with Backlund and Coleman? Well, it's coming. Um, you know, a couple of games ago, even though he didn't score, I thought, you know, the game in Seattle, he was dynamite. You know, he was around it, in people's faces, creating it. I think that night, if I remember correctly, had six shots on goal. Um, I see really good signs of him because it always works this way, especially for a type of player like Andrew Mangiapane. When the work level, and his work's always good, but it's been better. And he's been very noticeable and around it. So that's the first step, because I didn't think that was anywhere near as consistent as I've seen it, you know, certainly last year. And it has been a big difference for him, I guarantee it. It just, all the things you mentioned, and we've mentioned it many times on this hit, um, it makes a difference. So I really think he's going to have an excellent second half. It's trending definitely for me in the right area. And, you know, one of these days, he's probably going to get two again in a game, and he probably takes off from there. Lou, get out of here. Don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you got a, a busy day ahead of you watching hockey there. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the bronze medal game, and we'll chat with you tomorrow on a Flames game day, sir. Uh, did the fans translate pretty well on television? Because in person, <laughs> it was unbelievable. One it of the best. One of the best nights I've ever had at this event. It sure did. It was uh, it was incredible. And post-game with the Player of the Game Awards and everything, it looked like it was absolutely humming. And I can only imagine what it'll be like tonight. Well, there'll be some juice, I think. And so, there's a lot of sauce here, too, I can tell you about it. <laughs> no surprise. All right, have a great day. See you, pal. Bye -bye. Take care. Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960.
uh, in Halifax getting set for the bronze medal game. Sweden and the United States coming up in just a little bit. And then, of course, later this afternoon, Team Canada goes for back-to-back gold medals as they take on Czechia, a team that beat them earlier on in the tournament uh, back on Boxing Day. Feels like a long time ago for this Canadian group who's coming off of a massive 6-2 win against Team USA yesterday. And uh, looking forward to this one tonight. Should be a great matchup between Canada and Czechia. Lou is uh, joining us every single day down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group, the Gemini Group Home Renovations uh, Group. They know that your home renovation should be a reflection, a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca, now offering air miles, reward miles. And a quick reminder that tomorrow on the program, uh, another Friday, means another edition of What Does Lou Say for our friends at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Uh, easy contest, easy way for you to find yourself with two lower bowl tickets to an upcoming Flames game and $200 to uh, go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. All you got to do, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. There'll be a little contest tab. Go there, go to What Does Lou Say, enter in a question for Lou, and if we ask your question to Lou on a Friday, you are the next winner of, like I mentioned, two p- uh, pair of tickets to go see the Flames in an upcoming home game in the lower bowl and a $200 gift card to Roos Chris Steakhouse. We do it every single week, and it'll be back when we talk to Lou tomorrow on a Flames game day. That's where we're talking next. Flames and the Islanders getting set for tomorrow's Friday night matchup at the Saddle Dome. Quick one-game homestand for the Flames. They were back at practice today. We'll get you the latest on that coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon back along with you. Still to come this afternoon, don't miss Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian. Flames talk with Pat Steinberg coming up later today as well. One more off day for the Calgary Flames before they are back in action on Friday night. One game homestand against the visiting New York Islanders. The latest from Flames practice today. You know where to get the lines and pairings. It's from our boy Pat Steinberg at Fan960Steinberg on Twitter. Same old, same old when it comes to the Flames. After their loss against the Jets on Tuesday night, still no Brett Ritchie. Redeem Zahorna remains your fourth-line center between Rosicka and Lewis. Manjapani with Backlund and Coleman. Lucic, Kadri, Huberto, Dubé, Lindholm, Toffoli, your D-pairings. The same as we've seen them. Hannafin Anderson, Uyghur Tanev, Zadorov Stone, Connor Mackey skates as the team's extra. Markstrom and Vladar as the two goaltenders and the conversation around uh, flames lines and pairings as they usually are today. Uh, Milan Lucic remains in that second line spot with Kadri and Huberto wasn't a strong performance from that line Tuesday against Winnipeg. Plenty wondering if the top six experiment of Milan Lucic has reached its impasse. And is it maybe time to, Put Adam Ruzicka in that spot, a guy that's got 20 points on the year. Is it uh, appropriate? I know they the guys on Flames Talk discussed this yesterday. Is it time to look at a, an AHL call-up once again? Is it a good time to get Matthew Phillips 
back into the lineup. He was only here for a two-game stint and didn't see a lot of time in those two games. Uh, Flames have battled and will continue to battle the one-goal games. The Every single game for the Flames going back to before the Christmas break, L.A. 4-3, Anaheim 3-2, Edmonton 2-1, Seattle 3-2, Vancouver 3-2, Winnipeg 3-2. And while you know the head coach might uh, seem to be saying it at nauseum when it comes to his you know, phrasing that this league is a, a 3-2 league, he's not wrong. And it's one that the Flames have started to adapt better to in the last couple of weeks, but one that no doubt they'll have to be wary of as the rest of the year goes on. And uh, it's something that the Nazem Kadri and Noah Hannafin have talked about this week on those close games. And I uh, thought I'd play this for you. This is Nazem Kadri just, you know, sort of talking about what the close games are, are like for this team, how they've got to adjust to them and, and how they're going to, to start playing like this, you know, for the rest of the year, really. Obviously we've been in a lot of tight games and, you know, I think that's going to pay dividends towards the end. I think that's uh great experience for our group and just being able to, to try to stay calm and composed in, in those, uh, you know, tight, high tense situations. So I think it's a positive thing. At the end of the day, we got to find a way to win those games. But, you know, I think more times than not, we're, we're, we're capable of doing that. We do feel like uh, the overall comfort level in those close games, third periods, you feel like it's, it's starting to get higher and higher mm. as the year goes on? Of course. Uh, you know, we, we struggled with that early on, but uh, just took a little bit um, to get comfortable with. And I think, uh, as you guys said, lately we've, uh, we've been better and we look to get better in, in the future. So, you know. Down the stretch, you know, for for a for a playoff push and into the playoffs, I mean, those one get goal games, just uh, you know, being comfortable in those situations, I think, is uh, is, a, is a big big time key. So that's Nazem Kadri speaking to the media earlier this week, and you know, sort of talking about what a lot of the Flames players have talked about, and it's interesting to hear him and Blake Coleman, who was on Flames Talk with Pat yesterday, and. Both of them Stanley Cup champions now, and both of them sort of putting the spin on it that, hey, this is a positive thing for this group, that they can actually use this to be more battle-tested down the road when the games do get harder. When it gets more difficult, this will mean the Flames are better off for it. And it's great to say that. They'll have to back it up for sure. But I just I find it interesting two guys that have won Stanley Cups with very similar outlooks on how this team plays. And if you want to listen to that chat with Blake Coleman, it's up uh, on the Flames Talk podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts: Google, Amazon, Spotify. It's a great chat that Blake has with with Pat uh, on Wednesday. One thing that Blake says in that conversation is hey, maybe last year we we let our top line that's that line of Kachuk. Goudreau and Lindholm win us games that we weren't supposed to win or put us in these spots that, you know, made the rest of the game pretty easy, but that doesn't always make it easier when you get into the tough games or you get into those playoff situations. And maybe they're right. Maybe two guys that have been there and done that understand it better than most of us and say that, hey, yeah, is it a struggle right now? Is it a bit of a grind offensively? Sure, but we've proven that we can win those games. And at the end of the day, we're going to be better off for it when the league inevitably makes that turn like they always do mid-spring and the games get tighter, the games get less high scoring, 
as we enter the final push into the postseason, they're going to be better off for it. Again, right now it's it's fair to be frustrated and, and wonder where the offense is going to come back, but those are two guys' opinions that I would trust pretty heavily in that Flames locker room in Kadri and Coleman, and they think their team's going to be better off for it. We'll see. Uh, it all starts tomorrow against a tough New York Islanders team. They're coming into town for a quick one-game homestand. Flames look like they'll operate with the same lines and D pairings that they did heading into the Winnipeg game back on Tuesday. The fan feedback line at 960-960. It's always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Uh, a couple texts coming in over the last little while about uh, our chat with Lou on some of the Flames topics, but anything that you want to chat about, uh, you can send your text in at 960-960. And as I was you know, sort of going through the lines and pairings, a text comes in and says, I think it's time that we look into a coaching change. And I just, I, I don't, I know there's frustration with this coach at times for different reasons, but for as frustrating as this year has been at times, and I get it, you're still a playoff team right now. Despite everything that happened in the offseason, despite your struggles to score early on here, you're still in a spot where your team is going to be one of the 16 heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's where... Everybody around this team said earlier in the year, that's when it's going to matter most for this group. Now, did we all assume it was going to be easier for this group during the regular season than it has been? Sure. But I still think that that point of this team might be better suited for playoff hockey could ring true. And as of right now, you're you're in a playoff spot. There's still lots to be done when it comes to roster construction and what this team may or may not look like. This is not a GM that sits on his hands at this time of year. And you learned last year as the GM sort of got more of a feeling of, hey, this team's a contender. I'm going to look to help them. I would imagine in every way, shape, or form, and maybe even more so than last year, the GM is going to be aware of where his team's strengths lie and where their weaknesses are, and he's going to try his best to address them. Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, was on in the morning show today with uh, Russick, uh, with uh, usually with Russick and Rose, but now uh, just Rose and Duma uh, today as Duma was filling in for George Russick, and he, you know, said, and we put it up on our socials, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to be aggressive. The trade deadline is not going to pass without the Calgary Flames having their say in what happens. And Frank and Daily Faceoff releasing a list of top objectives for every team heading into the trade deadline. His number one objective for the Calgary Flames, a speedy scoring winger. Names he mentioned as, you know, me. it's just wonders. I don't think that he's implying connections or anything, but guys that he wondered aloud about. Two from Chicago, one in Andreas Athanasiu. Max Domi was another name that he brought up. Also mentioned perhaps go back to the Florida trade well and a guy like Anthony Duclair. 
And wouldn't that be an interesting fit on this Calgary Flames team? A guy that played a lot with Jonathan Huberto. For a lot of the success that Huberto had last year, came on a line with Bennett and Duclair. Could that reuniting, perhaps on a line with Nazem Kadri as the center, be the tonic to light Jonathan Huberto's offensive game up? Maybe. But I don't think we're going to get there and have this team simply be here and you know, stand around and watch what happens. They're, they're in the mix right now, and it's not long to go before they're, they're there. Uh, a couple texts at 960-960. Why would Trigo pick up a forward for playoffs when it's going to take them 40 games to learn the system? I don't know that it's going to take them 40 games to learn the system. Tyler Toffoli came in last year and figured it out pretty quickly. It also, I understand the implication there from that texture is that Jonathan Huberto hasn't, quote-unquote, learned the system. I don't think it takes 40 games. I also think you have to understand, as it's been brought up plenty of times, the system wasn't very... The transition of system from Florida to Calgary wasn't an easy one. It was a big transition. So, again, plenty of other teams jump in and pick up guys before or around the trade deadline and turn out to be good pieces. I, I think the Flames have every reason to believe that they're going to be one of those. Uh, the six is no Domi, no Athens CU. Both are not going to do anything here. Domi interests me a bit. I, Athens CU, they, they tried in Edmonton, and that was a a disaster. Didn't work out. He certainly got the speed. But the scoring touch, I wonder, even on a Chicago team this year that's been pretty bad, Athens CU hasn't exactly lit it up. 12 points in 36 games this year. Check Max Domi. I don't think it's much higher. 25 and 37. So you've you picked up more of a scoring punch from a guy like Domi than you would... Athens CU. Uh, John says, this isn't a playoff team. It's a matter of time until they drop out of their spot. The eye test of this team is loud and clear. Not enough scoring talent to compete. I would disagree. I, I, I don't think you need to... You don't need to score at the pace you did last year to get there. And even then... When they were that high scoring, what it led to was a, a seven-game series against Dallas that they won, and then a series against Edmonton where they they couldn't defend anything. So to to say that this team doesn't have the scoring to be there, they've scored at this pace all year long, and they've been in and around the playoff picture. So I I don't know why they couldn't continue that and still find themselves there. Uh, this text says, the Sutter can do no wrong attitude in the media is shameful. Lucic is a fourth-line AHLer and not a top-six NHLer. I didn't say Daryl can do no wrong. I just said the, the inclination that Daryl needs to be fired or that it's time to look for a coaching change to me is laughable. 
for a team that had as much success as they did last year and the adjustments that they've had to make this year and still find themselves in a playoff. So I'm not saying Daryl can't do any wrong. There's plenty of coaching decisions that I I think Daryl has made that I wouldn't agree with, but I don't have two Stanley Cups. Have I seen enough of Lucic on the second line at this point? I'm, I have. That's for me, I, I, but I don't make those decisions. I, I can tell you what he's doing and what the, the thought process is. Man, I thought Lucic actually fit in nicely on that line post-Christmas break for a little while there. It's fallen off like I think most of us expected it to. What the solution is, I don't know, because to Dar- to defend Daryl slightly in this, and again, the over, you know, arching reply that I have to that texter is that I don't think Daryl can do no wrong. But to defend him slightly, I just don't know who else fits in that spot right now. I would have been okay if Phillips was still with the team to put him in that spot again. For whatever reason. That's that's just not an option that that fits right now. I personally would like to see Ruzicka there again, but at the same time, I understand the thing that frustrates coaches the most in this league and is something that Daryl talks about with young players, and it's not a bias against young players. Plenty of people will try to tell you that. It's not. It's just the reality that you have to be consistent. And Adam Ruzicka is not consistent at this point. So you need to put somebody on that second line. Kadri and Huberto have been a fine pairing together. Put somebody on that line that's going to help. And as of right now, I I get where Daryl's head is at in the sense that I just don't know who fits that role right now. Has Lucic been great? No. The last couple games, I think you've seen a noticeable falling off in production there. So, certainly not that the coach can do no wrong, but am I going to sit here and tell you that I agree with you know someone texting and saying the guy needs to be fired and it's a coaching change that this team needs? No, I, I, I can't. I'm not on board with that. Uh, Derek and Red Deer text in saying Luke Shen and Travis Konechny would be the perfect deadline, in my opinion. It's interesting. The Luke Shen one, I've heard a few people bounce back as saying that's not something Vancouver would be interested in doing and handing him over to Calgary. Konechny, I, I love Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny is a guy that I think would be a massive, massive hit here in Calgary. Great motor. He's got a good scoring touch to him. He's feisty, physical. I'm a big Travis Konechny guy. I have no idea how you make it work money-wise. But if the Flyers are going to be... out of it as far out as they are. And maybe that's a guy that you can look at. Yeah, Travis Konechny is a guy I've I've uh I've been in love with for a long time when it comes to a potential fit here with the Calgary Flames. Uh this text says are they not showcasing Luch for a trade? I just I I think that, that that's probably not. I I really don't think this team is looking to move anybody out unless they, they absolutely have to for, for salary considerations. 
I don't I don't see this as being a a showcase for Milan Lucic. I, I think this is just trying to find the best fit at the best time right now for this group. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but yeah, I just don't I, I don't I don't I don't see this as a showcase. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just don't think I don't think that's true. Uh, this text says, uh, sports that showed a stat, we were scoring at the same pace as last year, but giving up more goals by a large number. Issue is more on our own end, missing good Branson and Oliver. Yeah, the depth of this team has been has been tested. And even to that texter's point, he's been a lot better lately. But, you know, a slow start to the year for Jacob Markstrom is, you know, a big reason that this team was giving up a lot of goals early on in the season. That has changed dramatically, really, since that Montreal game where it was the answer to my question. I, I asked Jacob in the locker room what happened in that situation with Josh Anderson. And he said, uh, nothing. I just suck at hockey right now. And since then, the guy has done nothing but the opposite of suck at hockey. I do still think to that texture's point that the conversation that Lou has had and that Pat and Wes have had a bit on Flames Talk, too, about this team missing a sixth defenseman, I think it's fair. We haven't had any word, any inclination on any news for Oliver Shillington. I don't expect any. I'm not sitting here awaiting a press release for that to happen. So I don't think that that's a viable option at this point. But, yeah, I think... And it's tough because Erica Branson was such a good fit on this team, but he was a good fit at at the number he was at. You were never going to give Erica Branson the money that Columbus gave him at 4x4. Four four. But as far as the fit goes and what him and Nikita Zadorov were able to do, yeah, I agree with that text. I think someone like a Branson would be um, a similar style to that would be helpful for the Flames right now. Uh, Matt and Cochran, regular on the program, texting in. Uh, Lucic hasn't been consistent either. He gets a pass because of his size and a Stanley Cup ring. Milan isn't a top six player anymore. Uh, if he were, he'd still be in Edmonton. Yeah, and to Matt's point, yeah, I think the inconsistency is showing in in his game too, and that's kind of where we're, we come back to that conversation of I don't know if you can criticize Daryl for that decision right now, because it worked for a couple of games. Milan came back from the healthy scratches and a bit of time off and looked like a different player and looked like a guy that could have that impact. But yeah, I think Matt, you're right. The reality of where Milan is at this point is that he's not a top six guy and you're going to have to find ways to get creative with this lineup because he's in the same boat as Adam Ruzicka as Manjapani or anybody else that you want to use in that top six spot, it just hasn't been there consistently enough this year. And again, we could we could have the Matthew Phillips conversation. I'm just not going to have it because he's not up with the team. That tells you where they feel his level of helping the team is at. Uh, a couple more here. On the text line, 960960. It's a uh, busy text line. We're talking all things Calgary Flames right now. Uh, NHL insider Frank Saravelli dropping uh, daily faceoffs. Top objective for every Western Conference team heading into the trade deadline. And uh, top for the Calgary Flames was a speedy scoring winger. 
Also talking about lines, pairings, uh, per our fan, and then 60 Steinberg. As they were all still the same at practice today after the loss in Winnipeg, heading out to, uh, or heading back to the Saddle Dome, excuse me, for a Friday matchup against the New York Islanders, uh, 960-960. Where's that one I wanted to reach? Uh, This text says, do you not think we'd be in a better place if we gave the same deal to Montreal, but sent Lucic instead of an injury-prone Monaghan? At least Monaghan has finish. Maybe. The problem with that is, is twofold. One, is Montreal interested in doing the deal if it's Lucic instead of Monaghan? I don't know. Two, you put yourself in a pretty crowded center ice position because the money that you were moving out, you used to sign Nazem Kadri. Now, all of a sudden, you have Lindholm, Backlund, Kadri, and Monaghan. As we've learned over the last little while, Sean, a guy that, you know, again, is nothing against him in this, not a fourth-line guy. And to be fair, if, if Monaghan's not given, he's given a different opportunity in Montreal, too. Right, Montreal is in a a sort of rebuild, up and coming year. Calgary didn't have the same time and the same patience to perhaps experiment with Sean back in a top six role. They were looking for something a little bit more proven and a guy that's you know been a great fit here in Nazem Kadri. So yeah, it, it's interesting money wise to look at that, but you have to wonder from a Montreal side of things. So. Uh, this, uh, couple texts here. This one says Sutter is a tremendous coach. They play great five on five main problem right now, the power play where they're ranked and finishing talent and luck depth on D is an issue. If they finish a few more prime chances, they win three or four more games. And the conversation is vastly different. Uh, I'm big on that one for sure. That's one that the Calgary flames can absolutely look at as a way to, get where they want to go without having to change up a lot of what they're doing to that texture's point. If we uh, go to NHL.com right now, check power play percentage, uh, you'll find the flames at 27th in the league. 18.9%. That's not where they want to be, but as you know, and this kind of proves the point around, you know, the flames at sometimes and that wondering if you have to, always be the highest scoring team to win hockey games. You know, look at some of the teams around them. The next two teams above the Flames right now in power play percentage, the Carolina Hurricanes, who have 25 wins on the season, and the New York Islanders, who we'll see on Friday, who have 22 wins on the season. Those are two teams that have found a way to win games, but aren't the highest scoring finishing teams in the league either. Now, that being said, can they be a lot better, and do they need to be a lot better than 27th in the league? Yes. Even top 20, even if their finishing percentage is, is up close to 20% throughout the year, that's a, a huge difference for this team and can kind of alleviate some of that stuff that, that Blake's talked about, that Nazem's talked about, about, hey, you know, maybe it doesn't always have to be the most stressful 
one goal third period all the time for this team. Uh, a couple more here, 960-960, before we get out of here to end hour one. Uh, this text says, we're missing Johnny. Uh, I wonder what a Patrick Kane would cost. Uh, probably a lot. The, the biggest problem with, with Patrick Kane is the money. A massive salary for him that is super restricting. And as a couple of NHL insiders have mentioned, might require a third team to make happen. I mean, as far as like, you know, playmaking fit, yeah, you, you would love Patrick Kane. What's the number here? Cap friendly. Come here. Yeah, ten and a half for Kane. No movement clause as well. He's at 27 points in 37 games this year. Uh, what would the Flames have to give up for? Declare. Probably less. And again, I wonder about that fit. And as the texter said, yeah, the fit in Florida compared to the fit in Calgary. One that you can question. Uh, last text I'll read here. Brad in Calgary. Text in, if we're questioning lines, remember Daryl always has a purpose. If he's sending messages, it's to other players for not earning their job. Could even be a message that you're living saying, get me something better. I have faith he always has a reason. He doesn't shuffle lines or make statements without a purpose. And yeah, for the most part, hey, Flames have been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Uh, when we have extra time like we've had this week with two days in between games, we can have these conversations and sort of dive into these topics a little bit more. Um I still think my my last thing I would say is I still think this team is in is in good shape because I think that defensively they've come a long way. Jacob Markstrom's game has come a long way. And if you can get just a little bit more finish, I don't think you're talking about needing two goals a game. I still think that that statement that Daryl made a couple of weeks ago about just missing that one goal, whether it comes from a, a power play goal or it does come in the shape of an addition, I think that this team is still in a position to to be where they want to be. And that's that's in a playoff spot, whether it be in the Pacific Division or the wild card, we still have to see. That'll do it for hour one. Thank you to Peter Labardius for joining us from Halifax. Uh, USA and Sweden currently underway in the bronze medal game in Halifax. The United States with a one nothing lead midway through the first period. Uh, Sweden was given a match penalty in a game misconduct for a hit to the head, which has given the Americans a five-minute power play. Uh, we'll see if they can capitalize. And, of course, later today, Canada goes for back-to-back -back gold medals at the World Juniors when they take on Chechia. We'll wrap up uh, our NFL fantasy conversation this year with Andy McNamara coming up in Hour 2. Plus, we'll head to the Scotiabank Sandal Dome and hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames, including head coach Daryl Sutter following practice at the Dome as they get set for the New York Islanders tomorrow. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.